Dave Delsing spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go on the range with Jay Delsing. On the Range is brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Well, good morning, St. Louis. This is Jay Delsing, uh, and welcome to Golf with Jay Delsing. Um, we have formulated the show like around the golf. The On the Range segment is brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Um, reach out to us on our social media outlets. Uh, Twitter is at Jay Delsing. Um, Facebook is Golf with Jay Delsing and Jay Delsing Golf. LinkedIn is just at Jay Delsing, and uh, you know how we do what we do with our Instagram account. We leave that a mystery. Um, okay, so just a, a little bit of a different show today. Got a great interview with Bill DeWitt. We're going to keep that. But um, this coronavirus has just affected every part of our lives, almost anywhere around the world. So. The Masters has been canceled. The last four, the next four PGA Tour events have been canceled. The players played one round and then, you know, sent the players home. NBA season. Everybody knows all the things that were going on. And I just thought it would be important to talk a little bit about that. And um, I was on the fast lane yesterday. Randy Carricker, Chris Ranji, and uh, Brad Thompson. So let's just go to that interview right now. I asked these guys earlier, it's a tradition unlike any other, but not anymore. Yeah, I I heard your comment. Is it a tradition or isn't it? Yeah. You know, having the players start yesterday and then stop, you know, I I couldn't really figure out where we were going with that. The PGA Tour, when we played, was all a bunch of U.S. players. And now it's players from all over the world. And their families are in Europe and you can't travel back and forth. And a lot of the guys have really nice places over here, but their main – you know, homes are in in, uh, in Europe and things like that. And so we started, and then they were going to, you know, not do the fan thing. And I just don't think that – Brad, you played. I mean, in the huge crowds all the time at Bush Stadium. It just wouldn't be the same. I mean, I know that I, – I don't know exactly how to explain that, but the vibe of having fans around you and everything just makes – Everything different. Yeah, I would think. And look, I stand over a three foot putt, Jay, and I, my knees are already shaking. Right, no money on it, no nothing. But it's different when, when it, you get the purse on it, and then you have a whole gallery ready to erupt. Right, like that feeling is something that you can't recreate. I would assume out there on the golf course without that. No, I mean it's it, it's just hard to explain. I, yeah. I, but yep. it just it, it, you know when we played high school golf here. You know, there was nobody around, and you're like, Man, I can't believe what I just did, and nobody like, who's going to believe you? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think you did it. I don't know what happened over there. So um, it just isn't um, – I mean, I think the big picture is where we have to focus. You know, we really do. It, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I have, like, got my – everything tuned to the – this time of year is my favorite time of year. we got hockey playoffs starting. The Blues have been so awesome. And then we have the Masters when that kicks off. Then I know MLB starts, and, I mean, I am in – Big heaven. What are you doing from we two to have, six usually, Monday through Friday? <laughs> listening to you guys. There's just not going to be anything to do. But, you know, when you think back of what happened, what's happened in the history of our world with crazy tuberculosis and polio and things like that, we have been so lucky. So we, are, we live in a great country. They're going to figure it out, and we just have to suck it up and read a book. I don't know. 
Read a book. Read, read, read lots of books. A, a that's a lot of time, time though. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, and I think it goes back to the idea, too, of, and we, we've said this now with multiple sports, then all the cards have kind of fallen. It was NCAA basketball first. Like, what are you doing? Why are you playing? Why are you doing this? Uh, NASCAR has just said they're going to suspend at least their next two races. So the question with, with golf is, like, you know, why? What, what's, what's the point? Because at, at the end of it, you'd probably end up being the spectacle, and if something did happen, I'm sure liable for something. Right, Brett. How are you going to fade? Hey, I came back from the Players' Championship, and I've got the virus. And mm-hmm. I think I got it over there. How are you going to – I mean, it just – why why yeah. go through that that door? What's interesting, though, is that the PGA Tour schedule, you guys, is jam-packed every single week. And so you've got people in San Antonio that have been gearing up since last year's date to raise money. Same thing in Tampa, all across the schedule. Augusta didn't – they postponed. They didn't cancel. Mm-hmm. They're going to play. You know, when Augusta wants things, they get it. That is like the golf mafia. These guys. But now with the, the way the schedule is, with the PGA Championship in May, and then in June you've got the U.S. Open, and in July you've got the British Open, it's going to be a real disservice to the golfers, isn't it? Let alone the, fan, the everybody that's trying to have a tournament. But look how that schedule messed up. Tiger Woods, the, the the face of golf last year. There's no doubt. I mean, he's not playing TPC, and he didn't play a peace tournament because, and I mean, he's won a peace tournament eight times. Mm-hmm. He did it because Augusta's on the schedule when it's on the schedule, and he's trying to tune up. I just had his caddy, Joe LaCava, on my show. Uh, I, I just interviewed him. We didn't have it on the show yet, but he was saying he's not very good right now, you know, and when the weather isn't warm, he's really not good. And if you've had back, you know, I'm way older than you guys, but man, when your back goes out and it gets below 50, you're like, golf? I don't mm-hmm. think so. I don't think I want to turn right now. No, nah, yeah. I don't think so. So they're going to do something crazy with the schedule. And things are going to get pushed back. And But the fact that it's a major and it's Augusta, and these guys are powerful down there. They get what they want. So if they, get, if they get what they want, how quickly do you think they would make it happen once they decide they're going to do it. So here's the issue. So that golf course, the National, it could play this thing tomorrow. It is perfect. But what happens it is uh, it's you know down there in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, and that Bermuda grass isn't so nice in August. It'll be meltdown hot, and they usually shut it down. So they're going to have to get that thing played somewhere in a time frame weather-wise, Ron, where it makes sense. And I don't know if that means transplanting somebody else on the schedule and making some sort of financial concessions. See, Augusta can make all the financial concessions they want because they have a pot full of all the money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm wondering, where they just say, well, we're we're doing this here. We've decided in two weeks we're, we're going to play this event. Yeah, so they'll, they'll go to whoever's on the schedule and say, hey, here's our, you know, you." The, the other cool thing about Augusta is it's a limited field. You know, so it's by invitation only. So a regular PGA Tour event has 150 uh, once uh, yeah, um, after this time of year, it has 156 players. Before Daylight Savings Center, it's 144. So what there, and I think the, the field at Augusta is anywhere between 80 and 90 players most of the year. You know, and it's from a, a, a variety of, of folks that some of them don't have any PGA Tour status. So you could easily run an opposite event, you know, uh, while the, the Masters is going on. But I wouldn't be happy if, you know, if I'm... Shell, and you're going to run the Masters against, I mean, who's going to care? Right. And one thing that we should note is that communities that, and we learned it here with the PGA, communities that host golf tournaments, 
as you mentioned, receive an awful lot of charity money. Somebody is going to miss out this year because of the coronavirus causing the move of the Masters. Somebody is not going to have a tournament and a lot of players and a lot of charity money that they thought they were going to have. Right. They're going to have to try to figure it out. You know, we have the Ascension Charity Classic coming to Norwood. we got to talk about that if you have a yeah. minute. But it's going to be great for the North County area. And that's where I grew up as a really bad caddy in my, <laughs> my youth up there. So it's going to be fun. But um, what the players did, you guys, is they played one round of golf took the $15 million purse, split it in half, and gave everybody fifty-two grand. So the players got 52000 for playing one round of golf and a wow. little bit of practice. And, and I wouldn't be surprised, Randy, why I brought that up, is if they take some of that purse and give it to the, the charities. Okay. Yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But the PGA Tour, you guys, is a cash cow right now. It, it, Tiger Woods, we just redid our television deal, and Tiger winning last year has just jacked everything up. It has just brought us more attention I think it's just terrific. But we we were just talking Jay uh, about baseball, and they've sent everybody home now, right? Everybody's going to their th- their spots. Major League Baseball players, look, they they've got a little bit of cash. Even the young ones, you have one year in the big leagues, you got a couple hundred grand at least. Uh, what is that like? But minor league guys have don't make any money. You you right. know the life, right? Right. So what what is that like for the fringe golfer, the guy that that is like just on the edge? Like, what is his financial outlook? So nowadays, so Brad, when I was playing, if if that would have happened, we would have been like, wait a second, no one would have given us any money. We wouldn't have split the purse. The the thing things have changed so in such a positive direction for the players today. If you stay on tour, over a, like a hundred and ten of the top one twenty five players made over a million bucks last year. When you guys are seeing patches on guys' sleeves and stuff and looking kind of. Not so great like NASCAR because every one of those patches is, is probably worth a couple hundred grand. I'll wear patches. I, I yeah, wear all my face, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I I'll mean, do post Malone tats. I think right. about tattooing <laughs> yeah. them on there for whatever money they're talking about. But that's what. So those guys aren't aren't um, too much worried about it. But Brad, think about a rookie. So you're, you know, the the, the tours just kind of started for them, and they're trying to figure it out. Maybe you go out and you play. Your first half a dozen tournaments, you miss every cut. Well, now you're dying to play. You're kind of choking a little bit because you're not making any money, and now you're not going to get to play for at least a month and probably longer. And you're hustling people at the country club. Now you're oh, like, that's yeah, a good take thing your to name do. off your bag and you know, <laughs> get some old They can't recognize you. Perfect. Yeah, right. You ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Well, I grew up in North County, man. It was so a, people it was just doggy thought, dog over there. This guy's not any good. Yeah. And then you I just wore tennis shoes and, you know, I dressed like I was homeless anyway. It all worked out well. <laughs> all right. So that was my interview with the Fast Lane. I want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing for being a part of the show. You know, when I was playing golf, I would see a picture in my mind of a shot that I would try to paint uh, uh, through the way that I swung. And Donahue Painting and Refinishing can absolutely match your vision for your home to what you want it to be. That's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. We are going to go to the front nine, and uh, you're going to get to hear my interview with the president of the St. Louis Cardinals, Bill DeWitt III. The Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association is a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Telsing. The MAGA has been the USGA Allied Golf Association in the St. Louis Central and Southern Illinois region since 1992. The MAGA provides over 30 days of competition opportunities and conducts qualifying for nine USGA championships while supporting more than 140 member clubs with amateur golf services. Find all of their information at metga.org or call 314-567-MAGA. I want to tell you about a strength training fitness program that helped me and that can help you. 
It's called 20 Minutes to Fitness. They have two locations, one in Clayton and one in Chesterfield. Every time you go to the gym with 20 Minutes to Fitness, you work with a professional trainer. They take you through specific machines and with specific exercises that are designed to help your golf game. We're talking about strength, flexibility, and those two components are huge to help you improve your game. Visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. Your first session is absolutely free. Get off the couch and get in shape. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's Ascension Charity Classic. I want to take a minute to tell you about a law firm that has been with me since the inception of the show. I'm talking about Doster, Olam, and Boyle. The firm was started in 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle. These are three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm has talented additional roster of professionals with decades of experience to help you achieve your goals in whatever situation you find yourself in. The firm was founded on the shared goals that success has to be measured by client and community satisfaction, not just profits for the partners. These guys are involved in the community, they live in the community, and they care about the community. Since its founding in 2015, Dr. Olin and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with over a billion dollars in combined value. Their areas of practice will overlap, and the firm's attorneys will take their time to get to know you and your situation so that they can guide you and point you in the direction that you need to go. Doster Ullman Boyle, extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. How is the relationship with your bank? Does it meet your expectations for what a bank should be? Are they a partner for you and your business, providing value beyond the products and services offered? Or is it just a holding place for your money? At St. Louis Bank, we want to be your banking partner. We believe in being more for you and your business than a placeholder for your money. Our team works to understand you so we can provide the ideal products and services for you and your business. And we're always just a call, text, or email away to provide the banking advice that you need. Because at St. Louis Bank, we know when you succeed, we all succeed. Isn't it time you get the banking partner you deserve? St. Louis Bank, let's move your business forward together. Find us online at stlouisbank.com, connect with us on LinkedIn, or call at 314-851-6200. Grab your clubs. We're heading to the front nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The front nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back. It's Golf with Jay Delsing. We are on the front nine. Pearlie and I are headed to the front nine that is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Classic. But we got to talk about Whitmore Country Club first. Great uh, partner, sponsor. Uh, the the years that we've been doing the show now, we're in our uh, what we're probably in our fifteenth, sixteenth month. They've been there all along with us. We've got friends over there. Uh, Bill Brungart is the membership director. He's a great guy. Can show you around. Uh, there's thirty six holes out at the facility. You also have access to. Can I have to take him half a day to show you around with everything they got going with their different golf courses, all oh, the I'm options they have, all the opportunities they have? Absolutely. And then you got Bummer, who is absolutely a world-class, fun uh, uh, human being, uh, the assistant pro that can take care of all of your golf needs. 
They can take care of stuff for your children because there's swim teams and there's junior golf and junior tennis. And you had a great experience uh, growing up with uh, golf as a youngster. Jay, every time you do these live commercials, it it floods back memories of when I was a kid hitting balls, playing golf, and enjoying all that. I, I'll be honest. I didn't do much of the pool thing, but I had five sisters. They did the pool. They did golf. They did tennis. They did all the other club activities. My parents were into it. I have so many fond memories growing up and the opportunities beyond just playing. The other thing for me as a, as a young guy, I got to be around the adults in the right manner and in the right arena relative to playing golf, seeing how different things. So it, was, it was family. It was me getting to play with doctors and lawyers and, and insurance guys and things like that. There were so many positives to it. Every time you talk about uh, Whitmore, it brings back those great memories for me. Yeah, no, I mean it's they're 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 just terrific. They're fam- they're 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 focused on the family. So you got to give them a call uh, 636-926-9622. All right, we're going to head to our my interview with Bill DeWitt and I just want to tell you folks that the interview with Bill DeWitt was recorded before all of the coronavirus pandemic broke out. This doesn't look anything like golf weather outside, Bill. <laughs> no, it's uh I think you and I are both dreaming about Florida right now. Uh, but, you know, it won't be long. I mean, the St. Louis winters are are, are cold, but, uh, you know, they're not too long. And before we know it, we'll be thinking about pitchers and catchers and then and, and golf season as well, which ties right in with that. Yeah, it's really good stuff. I don't know how much people know what a, a general sportsman you are. I know you love the game of golf. I know you're a, a low handicap handicapper i also know you love the game of hockey and you guys are invested in the blues and then clearly your baseball ties man you've got it all across the sports board there (laughs) yeah well i did grow up playing a lot of sports um the reason i play hockey actually is because my dad when i was um a young kid uh brought the wha cincinnati stingers to town in st in cincinnati rather he grew up here in st louis but they moved to Cincinnati when my grandfather bought the Reds in the 60s. So he thought hockey might be a cool thing to expand in Cincinnati. And because of that, you know, he put me in hockey to see how, how I'd like it. And I've just always played ever since. I loved the sport. And then, of course, golf, um, which, you know, I've, I played in high school and college and I've always played afterwards. And it's just a great, great sport, as you know. You and I play together. It's, it's a social sport. You get to meet a lot of people. And it's a lifetime sport. So, um, you know, they've, they've both been very important in my life. And then, of course, baseball, you, you know that story. <laughs> Bill, that story is just incredible. I mean, I know there's a big connection between my dad and your dad with the St. Louis Browns and the uh, Eddie Goodell story and stuff. But how about your grandfather? I mean, being the protege of Branch Rickey and the roots in St. Louis run deep for the DeWitt family. They were. The early part of the uh, 20th century, and my grandfather found his way into um, the front office. And Branch Rickey had him doing a bunch of things, uh, just like an errand boy, I think, initially. And then he liked what he saw and, and had him um, take on more responsibility and put him through law school uh, at nights. And eventually, my grandfather helped Branch Rickey really build out that first farm system, which really kind of changed the game. And put the Cardinals on the map. They were able to win their first world championship on the strength of that uh, game plan. 
1926. And, um, you know, my grandfather worked his way all the way up to treasurer of the Cardinals uh, during the Gas House Gang, the 30s and stuff. And then uh, he would go on to do a million other things in baseball, but it was his whole life. You know, and he had, he was either an executive, a GM or an owner of the Browns, the Yankees, the Tigers, the Reds, and the White Sox, in addition to the Cardinals back in the day. I mean, Bill, it's just incredible too. For those folks that haven't read the story, you really need a, a deep dive into it because it's fun. I mean, there's a, a point in time, I think where your dad was actually, you know, walking around old sportsman's park, selling things too. Yeah, he grew up at the ballpark. Uh, he remembers Sportsman's Park, you know, like the back of his hand. Um, used to go to mostly Browns games. And, um, you know, just there's so many great stories because it was such a different time. Uh, you know, the Browns didn't even draw a million people. Uh, but it was still a huge part of the cultural fabric of St. Louis. Uh, the Browns were usually the more successful team, the winning team. Uh, the Cardinals were, rather. And then and the Browns were kind of, a little bit of um, second fiddle, but still some people just had that passion for him. And, um, you know, of course my grandfather, that's what really got his career going when he um, bought the Browns uh, really through, <laughs> when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. He, he got a loan from the other members of the American league to buy the Browns. He didn't have any money. And it was on the strength of the branch Ricky recommendation. So that's how it all started. And, of course, that, there's that connection with your father, who was one of his players. And, um, and you know, he, he loved your dad, Jim. And uh, my dad remembered him, remembers him as a player. Of course, I remember meeting him when I first moved to town. And it was fun to um, hear stories from him as well. So I know your, your childhood had similar stories of those old brownie days. Yeah, it really did. And I, I just think about when, when you guys get – sit around the, the dinner table, maybe after dinner, the, the the stories need to be put in books that you and your dad might have. You know, there is somebody that's doing a, a piece, uh, and it, I think it'll ultimately be a book about my grandfather's career. Um, and it started out as just kind of, we found somebody that was would do it, and they think maybe there's some marketability to it. So we'll see. They're working on it, but um, you're right. It's all about the stories, you know, because I think the history is really interesting. You can kind of read about the history of baseball and a lot of things, but it's those unique stories that, you know, I'll give you one example. The um, My grandfather, uh, with the Browns struggling, really was thinking the Browns could be that first team that could expand to the uh, West Coast. And so, um, you know, and this was, you know, 15 years before, Western expansion actually happened with the Dodgers, but um, he had this uh, plan all worked out with the train schedule and moving to to, um, uh, to L.A. with the Browns. And then one day before the owners' meeting, where they were set to approve the the transaction, uh, Pearl Harbor hit. And uh, so think about how that may have changed the history of baseball. Obviously, now it changed the history of the world, but. Um, just from our family's point of view, what might have happened had Pearl Harbor just been a week later or something like that. So there are all these little stories about how baseball in America intertwine. And, uh, you know, it's um, those are the stories, I think, that are that are really fun to, to think about and remember. 
And, you know, Bill, there was something so romantic about the old days in baseball. When I look back at some of the old pictures of my dad and the Browns and just Sportsman's Park and the Cardinals, it was just, you know, they these guys were ball players and they were just, they stood among equals in the, in the community. Yeah, it was it was much different. Obviously, the um, the players didn't make as much money, or not even anywhere near as much money as they do now. And and they were kind of regular citizens in the sense that they were they held jobs in the off season. Uh, they were part of the community in that sense, all of them. And uh, but yet they were heroes on the field. And you know, it's just really interesting how that that's different now. You know, we have our heroes on the field, but they're off who knows where in the off season and, you know, kind of, um, you know, they're just, you know, the social media aspect now where you can kind of really dig deep and know a player just by, you know, following them on Instagram. Whereas before there was that mystery, I think, and that sense of hero. And we think about guys like Mickey Mantle and Luke Gehrig and, and Joe DiMaggio and Stan Musial, you know, they were so iconic because, you know, you didn't really know every little detail, and yet you'd see them in the community, and it would just be like a god walking there. And and I think that's what's um, interesting to me about the golden age of baseball. Yeah, one of my favorite eras. Um, one of one funny story, Bill. My dad, before he got traded to the Browns from the Yankees, um, they won the World Series in 1949, and. I can remember uh, my dad telling the story that Art Richmond was the general manager, <clears throat> excuse me, general manager for the Yankees, and he called my dad in and said, "Jimmy, we would like you to play for the Yankees next year." And my dad was so excited. I think he was, oh man, what was he, twenty-four years old, and and um, and he said, "Well, hell, Art, I I want to play for the Yankees." And he said, "Well, we're going to pay you five thousand dollars." And my dad said, "Art, is that negotiable?" And he said, "Yeah, take it or leave it." <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah that's good. so did he take it he definitely took it he, you know my dad grew up on a dairy farm in wisconsin and he's thinking you know what else am i gonna do that's awesome yeah and so when he was with the yankees for how many years uh just just about a year maybe a little over a year and then got traded to st louis for the to the st louis browns yeah Artie richmond he had a great um uh story he he was a a kid who with his brother um, Milt Richmond, who became a very famous sports writer, they were um, kids growing up in Brooklyn. And when the Browns came to town, they somehow hitched their way onto the team train as a way of just, you know, being close to the players. And they became almost like mascots of the Browns. And forever, you know, and the, I remember my grandfather telling the story too, and his brother, uh, Charlie DeWitt, who was the traveling secretary, felt sorry for these kids because they, you know, they didn't have. They needed the food, and they were just kind of – they became literally like traveling companions, <laughs> stole with the Browns. And that was Artie's introduction to baseball, and he never forgot it. And he was always part of the Browns fan club. He'd come back every year. Yep. And uh, he was always very loyal to the DeWitt family because of basically giving him that stowaway cabin uh, on the train. It led to his career in baseball. Well, Bill, I know that when when Dad got traded from the Yankees, it was uh, um, Art said to my dad, you, "You're gonna, you're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love this DeWitt family. You're going to love St. Louis." And what's one of the reasons why we live here now? Because you know my dad had such a a good time 
uh, and just love the city. And and you know what's really cool about Art Richmond? I was playing in the Westchester Classic, oh, in the early 90s, Bill. And he reached out to me, and we had lunch on like a Wednesday or a th- Thursday or something when I uh, opposite my, my round. It was really special for me. That's awesome. Yeah, he was one of those guys that was a real connector. You know, he'd seek people out to um, make sure they understood the history and the connections and he was very proud of that. And he was, he, he was the one guy too, that Steinbrenner could never fire because he had so much respect for him in terms of his roots in the game and everything. And, and he was the one guy that could kind of tell Steinbrenner apparently, you know, George, you know, you really got to <laughs> you you take that comment here. back or right. you got to say sorry to this guy or whatever. And um, he was, he was bulletproof in, in, in a, in an organization where no one was bulletproof. That's going to wrap up the front nine. Um, come back and listen to more of the interview with Bill DeWitt III, the president of the St. Louis Cardinals. And again, uh, please keep in mind that interview happened before the coronavirus um, pandemic information hit the world. The 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30-day return. WXOX and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Are you in the market for some new clubs? Maybe a bag and the latest style of sweet new shoes. Is this a year you decide to stop listening to your buddy's advice and get some real golf instruction? If any of these appeal to you, then go to Pro-Am Golf today. Pro-Am Golf has all the latest gear from all the major manufacturers. Call Steve today at 314-781-7775 and schedule a lesson with Tom DeGrand. Tom is the best. He's been in the game for over 50 years, so you take that knowledge along with their state-of-the-art equipment, and boom, your game will get a whole lot better. Visit them at ProMGolfUSA.com. Everyone is looking for the extra edge, and Jay Delsing is digging deep to find it. It's the leading edge on Golf with Jay Delsing. I am with Bob Donahue from Donahue Painting and Refinishing. Bob, thanks for joining me today on The Leading Edge. No problem, Jay. It's my pleasure. So, Bob, tell us, you and Kathy not only own the business, you run the business. Yes, uh, we uh, started our business about uh, 15 years ago. I've actually been in the industry since 1981, and uh, we're a family-owned business. I run the production side of things and do the estimating, and Kathy runs the office and communicates with the customers, and she's actually my my right hand. That's terrific. And so I know quality is really important to you, and I know you have the the best, most experienced uh, employees, but tell us kind of the scope of what you do at Donahue uh, Painting and Refinishing. Well, we we decided some time ago to to primarily be a, a, a residential, high-end residential, interior, exterior painting company. Um, our specialty is uh, staining and refinishing existing and new staircases and front doors. But um, we pretty much can do anything regarding your uh, decorating your house with stripping wallpaper, drywall repair, patchwork. Um, and then we also offer free color consultations for all of our customers. Well, and I know that's huge because there's a, such a difference in the way color is affected by light in, ter- in certain times of day, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, a color can look different during the day than it does at night. And so we are able to get larger uh, representations of the colors 
We encourage people to hang them on their walls and live with them for a couple of days to make sure that they're perfect for them. And Bob, we not only talked about the quality of the work, but the quality of the customer experience is really important uh, for you and Kathy. Talk a little bit about the sort of employees that you have, some of the high level of insurance that you have, the type of people that do work for you. Yes, um, you know, in general, painters don't have the best reputation with a lot of people, and we really want to set ourselves apart from the experience that many people have. And so we go above and beyond with what most people or painters will do in regards to taking care of your home, uh, cleaning up after ourselves. We, if, we're paint, if we paint a room, we clean the interior of the windows, we vacuum we want to take care of it as much as we can. And so we train our men on these procedures. We have written manuals on them. I go by and check the job every day to make sure that we're, we're providing the best service that we can for our customers. And, Bob, that's why referrals have been kind of the lifeblood of your business. And you have a massive uh, high percentage of retention rate within your customers, don't you? Yes. For many years, uh, we we really haven't done any advertising. All of our work has been uh, repeat customers and referrals. And, uh, you know, so for example, if we, we offer this to all of our customers, regardless of what we, what kind of work we've done for them. And that's a preventive maintenance program we have for exterior work. And what that is, is I uh, will send out a notice letting people know that I'll be stopping by their home I'll come out and I'll do an exterior inspection on their house. I send them a report with recommendations. Maybe one side of the house would need to be power washed because of mildew, or there might be some peeling paint here and there that if you take care of it, you just extend the life of the the paint the, the painting that was done. And uh, it's free of charge. We, we get a lot of uh, compliments for that service that we provide and, we really just wanted to help you maintain your house so that you're not having to put all that money out every few years to repaint your house. Well, at Donahue Painting and Refinishing, you guys are going the extra mile for service and quality. Bob, tell the folks how they can reach out to you guys. Yes, you can find us on Facebook at Donahue Painting and Refinishing or give Kathy a call. Kathy's my wife, and she's in the office. Her number is 314 314- Eight zero five two one three two, and that's Donahue spelled D O N A H U E. Painting and refinishing. Thank you so much for the time today. Okay, no problem. Take care, Jay. The Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association is a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Telsing. The MAGA has been the USGA Allied Golf Association in the St. Louis Central and Southern Illinois region since 1992. The MAGA provides over 30 days of competition opportunities and conducts qualifying for nine USGA championships while supporting more than 140 member clubs with amateur golf services. Find all of their information at metga.org or call 314-567-MAGA. I'd like to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, on 101 ESPN. Whitmore has been a great partner as I enter my second year. If you are considering a great place for your family to hang out, you've got to go over to Whitmore Country Club. Go in the golf shop. See my friend Bummer. He'll tell you all you need to know about the kids' club, the golf, the tennis, 
Uh, they've got uh, swim teams and leagues. There's anything you and your family could want at Whitmore Country Club. Visit them at WhitmoreGolf.com. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs. If you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. USA Mortgage has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsing's. We're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Brad Barnes is working the board for us, and we're headed to the back nine. Uh, and the back nine is brought to you by our friends at St. Louis Bank. I, I just want to remind you that this interview I had with Bill DeWitt III, the president of the St. Louis Cardinals, happened before the major outbreak of the coronavirus. So, Bill, um, talk a little bit about the cool things that you've been responsible for since you've, um, you know, I know you've been connected with the Cardinals ever since your 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 dad and the the group bought the team in '96, but I think you started off in some in some marketing roles and and work your way up to president in 2008. Yeah, I, I sort of did a lot of everything. Um, I worked um, on a bunch of concessions and um, stadium improvement projects at the old Bush Stadium, Bush Number Two. And then I also got involved in our spring training operation, which which was in um, St. Pete originally. And, you know, the Cardinals were in St. Pete for many, many years. But the Devil Rays were coming to town, and we kind of thought that there might be an opportunity to look for another location uh, since Major League Baseball was coming to, to St. Pete. And um, so we kind of jumped into a, a plan that had the Expos and the Braves um, – working on a Palm beach, a stadium project and the Braves left the expos kind of at the altar because I guess they wanted to do something in Orlando at Disney with Ted Turner. And so we jumped into that and we were, it was just the beginning. And so we helped, I got involved in helping plan the stadium and putting that all together in Jupiter. And so uh, it was really good experience because ultimately uh, among other projects, you know, one of the big ones was Bush stadium three and getting involved in that planning. So to have that experience on the spring training side um, and using that on the, on the big stadium was, was very helpful. And sort of one thing led to another. We got that project done. And, and then shortly thereafter, in 08, like you said, I took this role. Mark Lamping went off to run the um, New York Giants Stadium, the Jets-Giants Stadium, the Meadowlands. And I um, took this role and, and you know, rest is kind of history. We, we were able to get ballpark village done and still working on that. It's, it's a long-term project, but that's been exciting. And, um, a little bit on the baseball side, but mostly on the business and operational side of things uh, over the last, um, 11 years, which have, have been very rewarding. Bill, that ballpark village just really ties that the business environment and the community back into the ballpark. It's really a fun, uh, area down there. Yeah, we're we're very excited. You know, we're about to open a bunch of things in the phase two, which is sort of rolling open. We've already opened the office tower. 
um, and the tenants in there just love the space. We, uh, the hotel and the health club open uh, late January, early February. Um, and then the apartment tower is going to open in uh, June, uh, where it'll take a couple months actually to move everybody in. But um, And then also a bunch of retail, restaurants and other retail is all coming. And that about half of it will be uh, by opening day, and the other half of the new retail will be kind of all-star break. So, you know, fans coming down in the spring are just going to be blown away by how different it looks, how exciting it is, how cool it is. And, and then if they keep coming, they'll see more openings and more stuff happening. So Bill, and it's, it's just remarkable. I, you know, I'm a gigantic baseball nerd. I still love the box scores. I, I am just fascinated to love the game of baseball, but I also love the business side and what you guys have done and in, in this whole legacy with your family have done in St. Louis is really remarkable. When you think of us as our what twenty third, twenty four size market in 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 the country, our fans and and the fans of the of the Cardinals just reach throughout all across the Midwest, not all across the country really. And what really impresses me is how I feel like you guys are so disciplined with the plans that you have and you stick with them. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is, you know, my dad and Mo and, and others in the baseball uh, operations side of thing, I think really have a good way of thinking about long-term and short-term balance with the payroll. Um, you never want to put every last chip on the table in any one given year. Sure, you're going to go for it in some years and maybe do a trade or a free agent move that, that is on the uh, riskier side of things to try to push it. But you never go all in at the expense of next year or the year after. And what I mean by that is you've got to keep drafting and developing and, and, and seeing what your kids can do. Your, your, your player development system has to be producing or else you're just chasing it on the free agent market. And, and, you know, as you know, you said 24th largest market out of 30, we don't have those resources. We are very lucky, lucky that St. Louis has kind of a secret sauce. I would call it. We are a, a smaller market in terms of the, core DMA. But when you drive 200 miles in any direction, you're still in Cardinals country. And, you know, it's that great legacy of KMOX and the radio network and being the westernmost team for many, many years and having um, these smaller towns around us drive in and spend summer weekends in St. Louis. And they go to Cardinals games, but they also go to the Arch and, and the Magic House and Forest Park and the city museum and Union station, all these attractions that we sort of take for granted sometimes as St. Louisans. That's what it, what people into town and fills up our hotels and, and, and helps the Cardinals overachieve relative to our market size in terms of things like attendance and, and fan um, activity. And it's really because of that, that we're able to do what we do with the payroll and then with ballpark village. Yeah, that's terrific. I just want to shift gears and talk a little bit about your golf now. And I, we play together. You're a great player. Are you still, what, a two handicap? Yeah, somewhere around there, two or three. Yeah. And you don't get to play as I know you don't get to play as often as you'd like. I mean, I know you've got your wonderful wife, Ira. You've got two children, uh, Will and Natalie, and, and you know, all of these other things that you're interested in. But uh, the game is special to you. It is. It is. I think about it a lot, especially in the off season. Um, and then I really commit to it sort of in the, the June, July, August timeframe. 
because if I don't do it then, when am I going to do it? You know, we'll get down to Florida once, you know, for a weekend or out to LA for a quick weekend or something like, like that. And I'll play, but you're really bridging it. If you know, in the winter to get to the, the, the core of the season in, in the summer in St. Louis. And that's when I just really, you know, make sure I play a couple times on the weekend or whatever. And so I, I just love it. It's something that's a passion. And the thing about it is, I always feel like my best round's ahead of me. That's the thing I love about golf. Um, it, it may not be, but, you know, it gives you that illusion that, you, you know, there's something you can figure out in your swing or in your short game or whatever that, you know, can click and you can have a great round. And I uh, I think it's it, because of that, it's a lifelong challenge, but it's also a like, lifelong passion. And um, I, I just, I've, I've always loved it. I've always loved being able to, you know, have the social aspect of it too, <clears throat> meeting new people and, um, and, and just the game itself. I, I really enjoy playing. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I could fall out of bed and shoot 83 at any point in the year, but for me to shoot 73 or even better, I really got to work at it and, um, put in the time. And, and so that's where I feel like it's the, um, the, challenge comes in is, is how can you most efficiently practice so it doesn't take all that time but still be you know tuned into what you need to do yeah because we've had some really cool conversations about some of the uh idiosyncrasies and the intricacies of the game and you look at it on a very cerebral level which is uh totally understandable what's your best do you have a a, a greatest memory on the golf course or, or or something that um the game provided for you a moment that you'll never forget? Well, I would say my, I'll always remember my best round, which was <clears throat> I was playing in the Jim Jackson at Algonquin and it was in the fall. It always is in the fall where the club champions from around town um, have a little tournament there. And you know, Algonquin, it's kind of short, but tight and um, good greens. Yeah. Tricky. And it's I just tricky. It's a tricky hot. golf course. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. And I, I just found something in my swing, and I, I shot 64, the only bogey-free bogey round I've ever had. And uh, it was just – I'll always remember that round. I can remember every shot. Um, you know, when you get in that zone, I mean, you've been in it a million times as a pro golfer, but um, – well, maybe not a zone. I mean, you, you're just really good. And then how many times have you really been in that zone? You know, maybe, I don't know, how many times do you think you've been in it? Oh, my gosh, not nearly as many as I'd like, Bill, because once you're in there, you, all you want to do is try to get back. <laughs> I know, and I thought, after that round, I thought, okay, I figured this out. Well, you know, the next round I shoot 80. So it was, but uh, some things from that round do kind of resonate with me when I'm playing well. I remember how to how I kind of kept it going and, I try to use that from time to time, but, um, uh, but other than that, I would say, you know, I've done some great trips with friends and those have been super memorable. Um, you know, I've had some great matches. I played St. Louis country club, um, with some uh, fellow competitors and, and there's some very memorable things about some of those matches that I remember both winning matches and losing matches and, uh, just the competition. Um, I just love the, the, the nature of golf where you want to beat the other guy's brains in uh, for 18 holes, but you're super nice, super cordial, and you have a beer afterwards. And it's a genuine <laughs> friendship afterwards, even though 
you might want the guy to miss a putt or whatever in your head. You don't say that, but let's be honest. And then at the end of it, win or lose, you know, you're talking about the family and having a beer. And it's just, there's there's no other sport like that. Well, that's going to wrap up the back nine. Um, Come back. We've got a tiny bit more of this interview. We're going to wrap this interview up with Bill DeWitt. And I, I, I do need to remind you folks that that interview happened before the the coronavirus became such a serious pandemic. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. The 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30-day return. WXOX and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN. For the last 48 years, Pro-Am Golf has been providing outstanding customer service to the greater St. Louis area for all of our golf needs. From top-of-the-line equipment to full-service club repair lessons and instructions. They now have their own retail outlet, as well as state-of-the-art computers, cameras, and things to customize all of your personal club-fitting needs. Pro-Am Golf carries all the major brands. They also have the latest fashion trends from Puma Golf. Whatever your needs, Pro-Am Golf will meet them and have the best customer service in the industry. Call us at 314-781-7775 or find us at ProAmGolfUSA.com. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsorship, information head to ascensioncharityclassic.com it's time to get the scoop on the st louis golf scene here's jay and kurt rowey with the metropolitan minute hey jay good morning and uh, welcome to this week's metropolitan minute got a lot of exciting things going on this week and upcoming weeks uh, at metropolitan amateur golf association as I think we've covered, you know, score posting has started for our region, and entries are open for all of our championships. But I think this week I just want to focus again on on your listeners and try to get them engaged and involved with the Metropolitan Golf Association if they're not already. And they can do that real easily by going to our website, www.metga.org, and right on the banner, there's a banner that says Golf with Jay Delsing. They can click on that. And join our Metropolitan E-Club, which is the simplest way to become a member of the Golf Association, enjoy all the benefits, and uh, participate in our championships and our amateur series of events. So check out www.metga.org and join today. That's great, Kurt. Thanks so much. And all, all of us golfers appreciate what the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association does for us here in the Midwest. Let me tell you about a strength training program that helped me, and it can improve your golf game and overall fitness as well. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. 20 minutes to fitness targets the muscle groups used in golf. Because you work with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Your first session is absolutely free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20minutestofitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness. It works for me. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs if you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. 
If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. USA Mortgage has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsing's. Grab your friends a cold one and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay, and uh, we're headed to the 19th hole. We've got just a few more minutes of the interview from Bill DeWitt III, the president of the St. Louis Cardinals. So let's go to that. And please keep in mind, this interview occurred before the outbreak of the coronavirus got so serious. Bill, what is it? Because you said something that really hit home to me. I always feel like my best golf's in front of me. I'm 59 years old, you know. I'm not never going to play in the PGA Tour anymore. But I still have that sense like, oh, I can't wait for the weather to get good so I can get after this again. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love that because, um, you know, there's it's such a compli- it's a simple game you're just putting the ball in the hole but it's so complicated in the sense that figuring out the way the best way to hit the ball <clears throat> is both a physical and a mental challenge and so it's blending them all together you may have one one day and the other you don't have and um i don't know there's just the reason you think it might all come together is because it's such a complicated mix that um if it does all come together, even as you get into your late fifties, sixties or seventies, you can still have that incredible round. Like I played around with my dad once as a kid and he's a good, you know, I think he peaked at like an eight handicap and he's always been around 12 or 13 and just a solid golf. He took it up a little late after college, but I think he was probably in his fifties and uh, he had his best round ever, even par at uh, Kenwood country club in Cincinnati. And I just remember how in the zone he was and how it was for me to watch that. It can happen at any time. And, uh, you know, that's part of why it's, you know, you always think it's that that next round may be the one. Yeah, that is terrific. Bill, thanks so much for the time. Give us a little bit of uh, insight into Natalie and Will. Is are, are you guys starting to bring them into the Cardinal family? I mean, I know they're in the Cardinal family, but are they starting – to look into the business side of this? What, what are they interested in? Uh, still a little early, probably. My my daughter is unlikely to be uh, in the Cardinal business since she's a pre-med student at Yale. Uh, she's a junior, works real hard and getting good grades. Very proud of her. She just has a passion for science and medicine. Um, and my son, Will, is a senior at John Burroughs. Um, he does play on the golf team and the hockey team. And uh, he's applying to colleges right now, and uh, that's, uh, you know, a, a fun, a little stressful time, but we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, who knows down the road? I, I think um, my family, uh, there's four, four of us. I have an older sister, a younger brother, and a younger sister. And, um, you know, we've all got kids, and, and the next generation, there's 12 grandkids. Uh, so it's hard to predict how that will all play out super long term. But I know sort of in the short and medium term, we, we just love being a part of this. And um, all my siblings, you know, are, are great about just, you know, weighing in on, on certain matters, but also just being fans. And, and that's what 
I think is all about if, if, if we stop being fans, I think, you know, that'll be the end of it, but we still have a passion for baseball and the Cardinals. And like, we all came together for the playoffs last year and just, we're having a great time. It was, you know, it was a blast. And when you can share that with your family, that's, that seems to be what it's all about. And I think that's true of fans. Um, that's why baseball is such a great game. It's very generational. Um, it's conversational. You can go to the game and, and talk and connect with people and, um, that's what I think is the enduring aspect of the game. Well, Bill, the last thing I want to say is thank you, first of all, for, for keeping this game so strong in St. Louis for me personally, because I just absolutely love it, follow it every day, as you know. And the other thing is your family and you personally have supported so many other things that I've done and the city has done. And just in general, being such a great citizen, I know when we founded the first two years ago, you guys were right there with support and have, have been doing that all over town. Well, thanks. I, I, um, we, we do support a lot of things. Uh, Cardinals Care, our flagship charity, uh, does so much in the community. But there are other things, too, like, like First Tee. Golf's a great game of, of lessons for kids. And, um, and it's because it's not easy. You know, it's, you, you've got to learn patience and discipline and, and um, manners, I guess you could call it as an old term. But I'm still uh, learning by Bill. People and, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself. Um, but there's just so much to be learned um, because it doesn't, it's not natural. You don't just, as a kid, go play golf and not slam your club on the ground once in a while. Like, you got to be taught, no. <laughs> you got to, you know, bottle that up and, and figure out how to use it uh, to, to make the next one. And I think, um, so we, we, I, I've always loved golf as a, a as a teaching tool, as, as have you. And um, but we, yeah, we love the St. Louis community, and we're always going to support things here. And and that's why it's great to be part of the Cardinals because they're such a force for community involvement and activism in St. Louis. And that's one of our our main goals with the business is it's kind of winning, it's financial sustainability, and it's in its community involvement. Okay, so man, what a cool interview from Bill DeWitt III. Um, One of the things that sticks out in my mind, folks, is did you hear what he said? Had World War II not begun for the United States at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, the St. Louis Browns would have been the first team west of the Mississippi in Major League Baseball? You've got to be kidding me. Anyway, um, he is is really uh, – that family – it just reminds me of so many of the things that they do for us all here in St. Louis and how committed they are to the city. And um, the other thing, and it drives us all crazy, I know, at times, but, man, they are such a committed um, group to the program. And I think one of the things that also um, might give us some of the answers on why they are so committed to their, their farm club is because they talked about, Bill talked about his grandfather and Branch Rickey were kind of, the first pioneers to create farm clubs for major league baseball. So uh, not only is it important, but it's kind of in their blood. So um, that's going to wrap up this show this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, Pearly and me, thanks for being with us. Um, Odd times, no doubt about it. Uh, I want to remind you just one more time, uh, just kind of protecting Bill and, uh, uh, and the station here that the interview I had with Bill was taped before the coronavirus got so serious. I also want to thank my friends Bob and Kathy Donahue at Donahue Painting and Refinishing. 
Um, you need any sort of work like that done in your home. Their their uh, quality of work is excellent, and um, they're supporting the show. Come back next week. Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Hit him straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com, as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.